Hello everybody, welcome. Thanks for clicking this button today. I'm Mariana and I'm here with Michael. Yeah, it is so good to be together today. Yes. And we got some fun things in store. We're today. starting a new teaching series about Absolutely. joy. I'm so excited yeah. about this. It's gonna yeah. be a good one. We're really looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, hey, we wanna let you know um, that after our after Alan shares the message, uh -huh. we're gonna have some sit down time with him and, and talk a little bit more in depth. Yeah. About, uh, about what's being shared and just really believing and, ex and we're excited that God's going to be using this message yeah. uh, for us in our lives and in our church. For sure. And also for you, just, just keeping in mind that for everything that is going on here at Christ Community, just go to our app, click on Journey and Classes and Events, and you're going to find everything that is going on so you can yep. sign up for classes and groups yep. and all of that stuff. So, all right, guys. Ready? Let's, let's go into the message Enjoy. with Alan. Enjoy. Hey friends, today we are beginning a new teaching series that I am very excited about. It's a, a reflection of a journey that I personally am on. And because of that, I really feel like this is way more than just a teaching series. I really believe that God is inviting us as a church into a transformational journey that's gonna impact our lives, our families, our friendships, and even shape our church culture. It is that powerful. And it all has to do with this idea of joy, experiencing joy. Now, up until a few months ago, I had what I would now describe as a pretty shallow understanding of joy. And I think my experience is not unusual. I remember, remember years ago being taught the joy acrostic. Maybe some of you remember this, Jesus, others, yourself, <clears throat> that somehow that's the secret to joy. Now, I realize that the heart of that is to get us to focus on Jesus and, and other people, which is awesome. But the problem with that acrostic is that it minimizes our own hearts and our experience of joy. It's saying that joy is experienced the more we minimize ourselves and just focus on others. But as we're going to see, that is not how God views joy. That's not how he wired us to experience joy. Another perspective on joy that I, and I think many others embrace, is this idea that joy is simply a choice we make. It's, you know, to choose, to think positively, to focus on the Lord. And there's certainly some truth in that. But what I'm discovering is that our experience of joy is actually much deeper than simply changing our thinking. It involves engaging a different part of our brain one that is often neglected in Christian circles. We'll, we'll be talking about that in more in a few minutes. The other perspective of joy that I think many people have is this idea that joy is almost a side note. You know, it's sort of like the frosting on the cake. It's an added bonus, but it's not really critical to our spiritual lives. And what, what I'm discovering is that nothing could be further from the truth. Joy is actually at the center of how God has made us. So for years in my Christian journey, I have viewed joy through those lenses that I just mentioned, you know, positive thinking, deny yourself, side note to the Christian life. Well, my whole experience on joy and whole perspective on joy began to change several months ago when, when I heard a podcast uh, where a guy named Jim Wilder was being interviewed. And Dr. Wilder describes himself as a neuro theologian, which is a term I had never heard before. But the word neuro refers to the brain and theo, theology, refers to God. And so Dr. Wilder is a believer in Jesus who knows the word and, 
and yet is also an expert on how the brain functions. And his passion is to see how these two worlds, our brain and the Bible, can come together to help people grow in their maturity in Christ, and also to help people get healed from trauma. He worked for years as a counselor for people who had experienced trauma. So in this podcast, he specifically talked about joy in a way that I had never heard anyone talk about joy. He described how from a neurological perspective and a biblical perspective, joy is actually a core part of our being. Our brains are actually wired for joy. They are fueled by joy. From the moment a baby is born, that child is looking for faces that reflect delight and joy. And when they see one, not only do they experience joy, their brain begins to grow its joy capacity, which has implications for that child's experience of joy later in life. Well, I was so intrigued by this perspective on joy, but I didn't really know what to do with it, practically speaking. So it just sort of sat in my brain. Well, a few months later, a friend of mine recommended a book by a former engineer turned pastor uh, named Michael Hendricks. Who was, mentioned, who was mentored by uh, Dr. Wilder. And the name of his book is, it's The Other Half of Church. Um, and by the way, the podcast and that book and some other resources that I'll be mentioning in this series are going to be on a resource list that we have created where you can explore this more. There's a book about how to experience joy in your marriage and in parenting. And there are links to all these resources on our app under the More tab, and you can also find that on the QR code for this week. So when I read Michael's book, I began to see how I could apply these things to my own life as a way to experience more joy. And then I had our directional leadership team read this book, and we have been practicing some of the things mentioned in the book, and it has lit a fire of joy in us as well. I actually had the opportunity to meet Michael for lunch a few weeks ago uh, since he kind of lives in the North Denver area, and he was excited about our church's journey in this whole area. Okay, so that's a small window into the journey that I am currently on, and I wanted us as a church family to do this together, to explore, discover, and experience together greater levels of joy in our lives as we utilize the huge amounts of brain research that have been done over the past 20 years and the significant place that joy has in scripture. Now, one of the resources to mention is that each week we are putting together a small group study guide where you can explore and practice this stuff in a small group, which would be an ideal context to explore this. And so it, it, those, those study guides are available on our, our website and app. And if, if you're interested in finding a group, um, being a part of a group, we even have digital groups or whatever, go on our app under groups. Well, I want us to begin our journey, uh, a joy journey, with a fascinating statement that Jesus makes in his final discourse to his disciples the night before he's crucified. It's found in John chapter 15. In this chapter, Jesus gives us this powerful imagery, picture of what it looks like to be in a relationship with him. He describes it as a vine and a branch. Jesus is the vine, and we are the branches. We are attached. We are connected to him. 
in a transformative way. And this attachment is rooted in love. Jesus says in verse 9 of chapter 15, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Jesus is inviting us into this dynamic, attached love relationship with him and with the Father. It's like we are, we are being invited into the beautiful and holy um, love circle of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Honestly, I get sort of frustrated at times by how people often reduce Christianity to believing the right information about Jesus when it is so much more than that. Christianity is about walking with Jesus in this beautiful, transformative love relationship. Okay, so after Jesus describes this life with him, he then says in verse 11, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. I want to read that again. If you want to read it out loud with me, feel free to. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. In this verse, Jesus talks about joy in a way that I certainly had never understood it or experienced it. His words here help lay a foundation for where we're headed over the next several weeks. So in this verse, there are three foundational truths about joy that Jesus articulates. First, Our God is a God of joy. Our God is a God of joy. In this verse, Jesus is talking about how he wants us to experience joy. And notice how Jesus describes this joy in this passage. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you. My joy. He doesn't just say so that joy may be in you. No, he specifically says my joy. He reiterates this a few minutes later in his prayer to his heavenly father. Check this out. Jesus prays this to his father. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. Twice in this section of scripture, Jesus talks about his own joy. Now think about that. Our God is a God of joy. It's not that he just has moments of joyfulness. You know, hopefully we can catch him in a good mood. No, this is a characteristic of who he is. He is a God who is filled with joy. Now, let me just ask, is that how you and I typically think about Jesus? Is that how we envision God? For many of us, maybe most of us, our image of God is often this serious, somber, strict, joyless being who is too holy to ever smile. Honestly, we have such a shallow understanding of holiness. Holiness to us often feels oppressive. It feels so serious. You know, a God who is constantly pointing his finger at us saying, come on, get your life cleaned up. But what if God's holiness... What if his perfection, his completeness, was most fully reflected in his joy, in his delight, in his laughter? And what if the instinctive perception of God that we carried in our hearts was him smiling, him delighting in his creation? 
This is exactly what we see, what we see happening in the first chapter of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis 1, we see this beautiful poetic description of creation, God bringing order and life out of chaos. And seven times in this description, we read this phrase, and God saw that it was good. Now, this word good means way more than it means when we typically use the word good today. Oh, how was school today? It was good. Translated, it was okay. Nothing spectacular, nothing horrible. But in Genesis 1, this word good means beautiful. What the writer is telling us is that at various moments during creation, God stopped and looked at what he had made, and he enjoyed it. He enjoyed it. He delighted in it. It brought him joy. Now, it is, it, it is not insignificant that the pinnacle of his creating was when he created human beings in his image and he delighted in us. We're a part of that beautiful creation that brings God joy. Our God is a God of joy, a God of delight and rejoicing. This is who he is at the core of his being. The question is, is this how we envision him? Is this how we envision him? I remember when I, was, I first became a Christian, someone gave me a, this painting of Jesus. And what I loved about it was that in this painting, he was smiling. It was like a portrait just of his, his face. And in this, in this painting, he was smiling. He was smiling. <laughs> I loved that. I think this is one of those things that's so appealing about The Chosen, which is this crowdfunded video series on the life of Jesus. It has millions of views. And when I, when I, the episodes that I've watched and when I hear people talk about it, one of the things that people often comment about is how likable and wonderful and winsome Jesus is. There's a, there's a joy about him that, was, that is so beautiful and winsome and attractive I've had people say to me, I hope that's what Jesus is really like. <laughs> I mean, again, so often our perception, our instinctive perception of Jesus, our instinctive perception of God is not a God of joy. And that is so sad because from a biblical perspective, joy is at the core of who God is. What, what this means is that his joy is not dependent upon our behavior. His joy is not dependent upon what's happening in this country or that situation or whatever the state of the world. No, joy is a core aspect of who God is no matter what is happening in our lives, no matter what is happening in our world. Imagine the impact in our hearts and our lives if when we pray or we worship or we just envision in our minds what God is like, Imagine if our primary image of God is his joy. What if when we think of God, we see him smiling at us, delighting in us? As we're going to see next week, that can have a huge impact on our experience of joy, on our, our identity. I mean, this is a game changer. Do we really believe and perceive that our God is a God of joy at the core of his being, that joy is a defining characteristic of who he is. All right, the second core truth that Jesus communicates in John 15 is that this joy is what God wants us to experience. 
Jesus isn't simply talking about his own experience of joy. No, he, he clearly describes how earnestly he longs for us to experience his joy, right? Look again at verse 11. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. See, the reason he is teaching his disciples these things about his love and about abiding and all that, the reason, as he says, is so that my joy may be in you. Jesus wants us to experience the fullness of his joy. Now think about this. If joy is at the core of who God is in his very being, And Jesus says that he longs for his joy to be in us. That means that God desires that joy be at the core of who we are. That joy is not just this emotion we periodically experience when something wonderful is happening to us. No, God designed us with joy being at the core, the center of who we are as humans. Now, this is not simply a theological truth. This is something that recent brain research confirms, which was a completely new truth to me. See, in my mind, the way I understood and envisioned joy was that it was just, it was one equal option among several emotions, sort of like those balls that pop up in a bingo popper machine or a lottery, you know, whatever number pops up, that's the number you get. Whatever emotion pops up, that's the emotion you have, and they're all on equal footing. But brain research has discovered that joy is unique. It's a unique emotion in that joy is actually at the core of our brain. Our brains were designed to be fueled by joy. Joy is the energy, the driver of our brains. All of the other emotions that we experience are ultimately looking to return to joy. Dr. Wilder, in one of the talks he gave on on YouTube, he uses the analogy of camping. So joy is sort of like base camp. It's like our, our campsite. When we go camping, we may take these short journeys, these day hikes or whatever to other places, right? We may do that, go exploring and all that, but we always want to return to our campsite. Joy is our campsite. Joy is the state in which our brains and lives are designed to live in and from. Okay, now before we go any further, let's take a moment and define what we're talking about when we use the word joy. See, from a biblical and a neurological perspective, joy is relational. It is relational. At its most fundamental level, joy is what we experience when we are delighted in. Joy is what we experience when someone is happy to see us. When we talk about God being a God of joy, we we see that his joy is a relational joy. Absolutely, it is a relational joy, a beautiful dance between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Trinity is this amazing, eternal picture of joy, this relational joy with Father, Son, and Spirit delighting in each other. And this helps us then understand the essence of joy. Joy is the relational experience of being delighted in. It's what you experience when someone is glad to see you. What happens to your heart 
when you enter a room and no one notices or acknowledges your presence. In contrast, what happens to your heart when you enter a room and someone's face lights up because they are so glad to see you? You experience joy in that moment. Joy is relational. This is where brain research helps illumine this even further for us. As I mentioned a few minutes ago, within the first few weeks of a baby being born, that child's eyes are looking up for something. What are they looking for? They're looking for joy. They're looking for that face of mom or dad or grandma or grandpa who is delighting in them. And this is well before they even cognitively understand what joy is, but they're looking for it. And when they see that face filled with delight and joy, their entire body experiences joy. They smile, they may wiggle, they're they're experiencing joy. And what brain research reveals is that in that experience, their capacity for joy is literally growing in their brain. And not only that, they're experiencing attachment to the one who is delighting in them. This is why this topic of joy is so important to us as human beings. It's not simply about us feeling happy. It's about us feeling connected, attached, which we will unpack later in this series. This truth about joy being relational, it can have a huge impact on all of our relationships, our friendships our marriage, our our parenting, our small group, our workplace. So as this series unfolds, you're going to see how these principles can have a huge impact on all of your relationships. But, But let's go back now, just again, back to our definition of joy. Joy, here's how we're defining it. Joy is the experience of being delighted in. That's what brings us joy. And that longing for joy is wired into us from the moment of our birth. We come out of the womb literally looking for joy, and we never grow out of that. Our brains are wired for joy. They are wired by God for joy, which leads us to the third truth from Jesus' word in John 15, 11. Joy is something we can grow in. Brain research tells us that this joy center in our brain, it never loses its capacity to grow. We never lose our capacity to develop and grow our joy center. We can grow. We can always be growing in our experience of joy. And this really is what Jesus is saying in this verse. Look again at this. He says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This word complete literally means to fill something. Jesus is talking about us being increasingly filled with joy. Now, another way to say this is that Jesus is describing what maturity looks like. A spiritually mature person is someone who is rooted in joy. They are rooted in this place of shalom so that no matter what negative emotion they're experiencing, there is always a pathway to joy in that. That's how Jesus wants us to live. According to Jesus, this experience of joy is something we can grow in. So how do we grow in this? Well, that's what the rest of this series is is all about. And what we're going to discover is that there are some specific practices that can help us grow 
in our experience of joy. So what kinds of practices are we talking about and how can they help us experience greater levels of joy? Now, this was a huge aha moment for me in my own experience and exploration and reading about joy. And it's really the basis for Michael Hendricks' book that I mentioned earlier. The reality is the typical approach to joy, the typical Christian approach to joy, is only using part of our brain. And that's why we often struggle to experience joy. We may know certain truths about God in our head, but they don't seem to impact our heart. Why is that? The reason is because of how our brains were created. See, God created our brains with two hemispheres. We have a left side and a right side, and they are designed to work together. Each side has a very important purpose in how we process information, but they each do that in a completely different way. And here's the deal. Both of them are critically important, but in the church, we have tended to focus on only one side of our brain, and that is the left side. The left side of our brain is informational. It is primarily focused on filing things. It's focused on things like data and facts and doctrine and beliefs. The right side of our, that's the left side, the right side of our brain is primarily relational. So it processes information in a more intuitive way. The right side of our brain is the, is the realm of our emotions, our identity, our, our loving attachments, our joy. The right side is about our joy. So if we want to more deeply experience joy, this relational attached experience of joy, we have to intentionally engage the right side of our brain. It's not enough to just gather information and content about joy. That's the left side. We, we also want to actually experience it, which involves the right side. And the reality is we're not used to engaging the right side of our brain in these kinds of matters. Sadly, in the church, the focus of our discipleship and spiritual growth strategies have almost exclusively been left-brained activities. Listen to this sermon. Study this book. Go to this seminar. Think about this content. I mean, no wonder so many Christians can talk about God's love and can quote verses about God's love, but they don't really experience his love. The reason is because they have only engaged the left side of their brain in their spiritual life, in their relationship with God, and they're missing the significant part of us that God created. He created both sides of our brain for a purpose. Now, here's what is so fascinating about this. Neuroscience has discovered that the right side of our brain, the intuitive, emotional, relational side of our brain, this side actually processes faster than our left side. The right side of our brain is intuitively processing how people are responding to us and how that feels before the left side of our brain can even figure out why that is. Now, what this means, this is really important. What this means is that the right side of our brain is really the control center. The right side of our brain is the control center. The right side of our brain is designed to be the more dominant part of who we are and how we experience life. 
See, this goes back to this idea we talked about earlier that our brains are wired for joy. Joy and attachment and that feeling of being delighted in, those things happen on the right side of our brain, which is why simply telling ourselves to be joyful doesn't help us become more joyful. That's a left side activity. What we need is an intuitive experience of joy. In other words, we need to intuitively feel that we are delighted in, which is something that happens on the right side of our brain. And it's something that God longs for us to experience more deeply. Can you imagine the impact in your life and mine if our instinctive, intuitive, right brain perception of God is that he is a God of joy who absolutely wholeheartedly delights in us? That would change everything. If that was our perception of God, our intuitive perception of God, that would change everything. It would impact our level of joy. It would impact our relationships. It would impact our identity, where we would know at the core of our being that we are loved. Friends, this is the the journey, the life journey that Jesus invites us on. A journey in which we more and more experience the fullness of his joy of his delight, and where that joy begins to impact every area of our lives. That's the journey we're on for the next several weeks. And next week, we're going to talk about, more specifically, about how we can experience in greater ways God's delight in us. Do not miss next week. It is at the core of everything else we're going to talk about. Okay, but until then, until next week, I want you to think about this question. How would your life be different if your instinctive, intuitive perception of God was that he was smiling at you and delighting in you? Let's pray. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this response time. And as we're quieting our hearts here, I I want you to think about that question. In fact, let me ask it another way. Just think about this for a moment. What, What does it do to your heart right now? What does it do to your heart? When you think about God being a God of joy. What does that do to you emotionally? God, for many of us, that is so far removed from how we typically envision you. But we want an accurate perception of who you are. Thank you, Jesus, that you are a God of joy. (laughs) 
You loved going to parties. You loved hanging out with people. You used banquet images to talk about what heaven is like. Thank you for your joy. Thank you that joy is at the core of who you are. And, and we are asking you to help us more and more see you in that way. Help us see you in that way. So heal any broken perceptions we have of you or unbiblical perceptions we have of you. And Jesus, you tell us in your word, we just looked at this, that you long for us to experience your joy. And so we ask for that. We pray for your joy to be in us and for that joy to be complete, filled to overflowing, that we would grow in this area of spiritual maturity. We pray that you would do that in us over the next seven weeks as we explore this topic together and we practice it together. We apply your word to our lives. I pray for greater joy in our hearts, in our relationships, in our families, in our neighborhood, in our schools, in our workplaces, in our church. Fullness of joy. God, thank you for creating us for joy. Help us to see you more and more as a God of joy. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, I feel like we are in a, a sacred and kind of a holy moment here, mm -hmm. just, just the way that all ended. And um, just to be in the place where you're thinking about the beauty of, of who God is and that he's a joyful God and he has good thoughts and, and has a heart toward us is just uh, and a smile and delight, right? Mm -hmm. um, so guys, we are going to take a few minutes and, and have a chat with Alan uh, about what you just heard. Uh, with, it, with the idea in mind that there's a lot more to come, okay? Mm -hmm. So don't feel like we're going to cover it all in mm -hmm. these few minutes. We have a lot more to come. But Alan, I wanted to kind of get your heart on this kind of, kind of step back on this series as a whole. And particularly, you know, we believe with all of our hearts that, that God brings things into our, to our attention in certain times and certain seasons, right? Um, and, and maybe this is just something for Christ's community, certainly something for Christ's community right now, but also... I was wondering if you could just talk about like just this timing of this and, and the season that we're in, not just as a church, but as a culture yeah. and why this message is so important. Mm, that's good. Yeah, I mean, in the midst of all the things going on, I didn't refer to it in the message really, but all the things just going on yeah. in our world right now and in our lives um, and the animosity, the anger, the, you know, I think joy is you know, the thought of another COVID variant, you know, and right. numbers increasing and the, the thought, just the emotional weight of that, right. I think is, it's just tough for people in Afghanistan, all these things is, are so heavy. Yeah. You know, I do really feel like it's an interesting a time. We had planned this series out a few months ago yeah. um, when COVID numbers were down, things were looking up um, and didn't really anticipate that the world would be in the place that it yeah. is in our nation and that we would all be in the place we are right now. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's interesting timing. Yeah. Yeah. I think w one of the things that, you know, as I'm listening to you, one of the things that I was thinking about is I, I consider myself somewhat pretty 
good in this category, or maybe I'll, I'll say in the past I had been, but what I was reflecting on was how much of this experience of joy was something that I felt um, almost uh, ashamed of as something that you are um, naive or, you know, oh, you're so innocent. And, you know, be, if you're able to carry on that joyful spirit and while the world is like, eh, you know, more cynical and, well, really think about it and things are dark, you know, well, you're so naive. And I was thinking about that, this, this wrestling that even people that would maybe be more bent to experiencing joy more naturally, how that's still hard. And you have that, that pull from around you. I don't know. And of course, mm -hmm. you're sharing your coming from the other angle. I don't know how that's for you, Michael, but. Yeah, well, it, it's a really good point because I think I do tend, obviously, I preach from the place I am. And I kind of assume everyone is on my journey, uh, which is not your journey. But the interesting thing about that is that the way we're talking about joy and even the way Jesus talks about it in John 15 is it's a mark of maturity. Mm -hmm. It's not a mark of naivete. It's, it's actually a mark of spiritual maturity. Someone who is able to return to joy and experience joy no matter what is going on around them. And again, I'm not talking about minimizing negative emotions. Sure. There's something about the way joy is wired into our brains that it really is our base camp it's like our campsite and so it's it's the the, the our goal and what we're going to talk about in this series some is what you intuitively i think practice is an ability to create pathways from negative emotions back to joy mm -hmm. we're not minimizing those emotions but we're able to experience sort of this fullness of joy mm -hmm. um in the midst of our grief or in the midst of our sadness or in the midst of our anger. Um, mm -hmm. And that, according to Jesus, is a mark of spiritual maturity. Mm -hmm. And so the very thing that you have felt embarrassed by or maybe people have said, oh, that's so naive, is actually the opposite. It's probably a reflection of that you're way more spiritually mature than I oh, am. Oh, gosh, so way no. To go. <laughs> no, it's a very interesting point. I really like that contrast, how uh, the, the difference, but it's not that you're ignoring the negative right. things you're not being naive it's it's a very it's two different things that's that that's helpful for me to to separate yeah. those two because that has been i think the knock on certain cultures within the church or certain segments of the church world is that joy that's everything's just happy yeah, and, yeah pretend and you nothing just kind of exactly yeah. you fake it till you make it you right. know pretend everything is great mm -hmm. because if you don't then that's not a, you're, that's a lack of faith and so i think there's um that's not the kind of joy we're talking about yeah um it's a joy that's a mature deep joy in those yeah. emotions not running from them I almost That's feel good. like it's I almost feel like we're talking about two different words. Like we shouldn't be using the same word joy mm. for both of these things, mm -hmm. right? Because one and even I wonder if even referring to joy as an emotion is a little kind of short-sighted in some mm. ways. You know, just like recognizing no, it's not necessarily about that. Um yeah, just and even positive. even what you brought into this message as far as like no, it's like understanding that we have a God who delights in us. Like that what I what I even when I say that, like what what happens inside of me? is different than me just like having, being emotionally happy. 
You know, I think, I think the happiness is, is probably what often gets associated with joy. And that's why a lot of people are like, oh, Alan's doing a message on joy. Like, I'm a pretty happy person, <laughs> you know? Yeah, they're both emotions, though, I think. Okay. Even, what, even what you experienced when you said, God delighting me, that yeah. did something. And you, that's something you felt, yeah. right? That was an emotion. Yeah. But you're right in the way people, the word joy has so many perceptions yeah. attached to it, yeah. even in the Christian world. That, oh, that's just about happiness or that's just a choice you make or whatever. And I think we're trying to explore neurologically and biblically, but it's actually so much more than that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just really curious, Alan, to hear you. You're obviously sharing your personal journey. And ever since, I know it's still pretty recent these past few months, but what kinds of things, and maybe it's something you're going to share in the weeks to come, but what are some things that maybe you are perceiving in yourself or trying to apply or I don't know if it's a a matter of awareness or if I'm jumping too quickly into the application here, (laughs) but just to get a a glimpse on what's happening more there. Well, I mean, that is kind of the challenge in that I do feel like I have been trying to apply, you know, some of the practices that we're going to talk about in the series. Mm And um, I haven't arrived, and that's why I think very much this journey language of, would you come along with me on this journey? Because I don't feel like I've arrived, but these things have been so eye-opening. And what strikes me about most of the the practices we're going to talk about in this series, they're so simple. They're not necessarily easy to do, but they are so simple. Mm. This whole idea of simply delighting in someone and Mm. what happens to a relationship when you choose to delight in them, Mm -hmm. what that does in their heart and their experience of joy. And so that's in a few weeks when we talk about these, you know, um, horizontal relationships. But we're going to spend a few weeks really kind of getting rooted in this foundation, our vertical relationship. Mm -hmm. Because once we once we understand that as the foundation for our experience joy is is God delighting in us, then it has so much application for the way we view other people, yeah. the way we think about other people, and and some simple practices we can do yeah. that really have a huge impact, not only on our joy, but on other people's joy. So I'm skirting the question a little bit. No, that's wanna... good. It makes me excited for what's okay, to good. come. Continued, right? <laughs> right. No, that's yeah. good. I want to go back to uh, to something that you you talked a little bit about, just the the childlike aspect of this, mm-hmm. and um, and Mariana, you kind of even referred to it a little bit too, as like it's it kind of in the culture it feels almost anti mature, but it but but really what this goes back to and what we're talking about is a yeah. rewiring yes. of, yeah. of our mind, right? Like so that even just that mm-hmm. word that that preface re right refers to the fact that it's been there. <laughs> you know, like we've experienced joy. Like, and and you, your your example was like the the baby when they first open their eyes and begin to see this delight coming from the other side, right? Of of their parents or grandma or aunt or uncle or whoever, they're experiencing what that joy is, right? Yeah. And the idea that you and I just briefly mentioned this earlier, just about like the Psalm one thirty nine, the idea that God, like He knew us from the very beginning, mm-hmm. like before we were even knit together in our mother's womb, like he did that and he knew us from the very beginning. So we were, we had the sense of belonging and delight from the very beginning. Yep. And 
So we knew what it was, right? Like that's what I think it is, is when as kids, they understand that because they know, they got a, a close firsthand recollection of that's what this was. Yep. Mm. And I think that's the beauty of what we're talking about here. It's guys, we're not asking you to go out and find joy. Right. It's a return. Like mm. it's a return to that's so hopeful. what has already been there, right? Yeah, it's like our operating system and just, there are probably things in our operating system that we don't, on yeah. our phone that we don't know, we haven't been utilizing or whatever, yeah. but they're there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, very much the capacity for joy all of us have. Yeah. And um, it does make me wonder, yeah, this, I think um, some of the research shows that when a child does experience a lot of joy and delight in mm -hmm. those early, you know, those first few months. It yeah. actually grows their joy capacity. Right. So I wonder if part of who you are is maybe something to do That's with the way you were delighted in um, as a young baby. You, yeah. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about it. I wasn't sure if I would bring it up or not, but you were, talk you were kind of calling out the church, but me being from Brazil, I kind of see it as a culture mm -hmm. overall, mm -hmm. not just yep. the church. And I feel like growing up in Brazil, for me, it's it's, it's just such a relational yeah. culture. And mm -hmm. I, I talk about it often that, you know, here when you have friends come over and they have little kids, normally you say hi to the adults and the kids sneak underneath everybody and they just go in and you barely acknowledge the children. Yep. And, and in Brazil, when you arrive at somebody's house, if you ha it's the opposite. If you have kids, the adults barely get acknowledged. It's the children. They go, hey, and you like... That is awesome. You celebrate the children. And, you know, I think there is this nurturing of relationships yes. from the time you're so young that that connection, you know? And so I was thinking a lot about the culture and, and then obviously how we do church too and yeah. how things. That is so fascinating. I had never thought about that, but I think there are cult obviously cultures that cultivate joy, the relational joy we're talking about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a part of their culture and it's not a part of the American culture. And that's probably why in our culture, this message is it's in a sense so radical. Yeah. Um, and so significant because we don't naturally do what they do in Brazil, right. typically. Sure. We don't Generalize. Both, generalizing exactly. both right. ways. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. That is so fascinating. I never thought about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think what I'm excited about, and I hope you guys are excited about as you're, as you're participating in this with us, is the invitation. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. yeah. It is It is an invitation to go on this journey yeah. with us and discover God. Like just that question that you asked at the end, God, is what is my perspective of you this week? Like, yeah. how do I, do I see when I look at your face, do I see a smile? Because it's very clear that you're a God of joy who delights yeah. over us. Yeah, what if we actually yeah. believed, believed it. it and experienced it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I <laughs> love the, the painting of the happy Jesus. I had a friend who brought over once <laughs> that painting of a, of that big old smile, Jesus, yeah. you know, however they pictured Jesus being, it's like, just look at his face, like believe his smile and yeah. sit, sit in it for a while. And that I often go back to yep. the happy mm. Jesus. So. Yeah. 
And again, it's a joy. It's not a superficial. No, exactly. It's this depth. It's like the, when you watch The Chosen, you kind of experience some of those, or you see how people could say that. Like, he's so winsome. You yeah. know, he's so wonderful in the way that character, yeah. his character is being portrayed in that, that it's a yeah. joy that is so life-giving, but it's not flippant. No. It's just, there's a depth to it. Yeah. yeah. I love, I love that, def, that definition and understanding this, what we're talking about moving forward. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you guys for this conversation. Thank yeah. you for joining us. And again, for all these resources, books and everything, just go to our app under more. You're going to see Wired for Joy resources and you're going to find all the books, podcasts, website and all of that. So thanks for joining us and have a good rest of your day. Mm -hmm.